Hi, and welcome to the 18th ever episode of The Sound of Not Getting Laid, where we're asking the question, do women really hate prog rock? My guest this week is my mother, Beverly Bergman. Your mom described King Crimson as tinny. Listen to her claim that the members of Genesis all look gay. Marvel at her revelation that it took too long for Rush to get to the meat of it. All this and more on The Sound of Not Getting Laid. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Attention Deficit Disorder, ADD. If you have it, you probably shouldn't listen to prog rock. Hi, and welcome to The Sound of Not Getting Laid, where we're asking the question, do women really hate prog rock? Today I have with me... Beverly Bergman. Beverly has the unique distinction of being the only one of my guests who's also my mom. Hi, Mom. Hi. <laughs> so, uh, tell us, uh, how old are you? I'm 65. And what do you do? Not much. Uh, <laughs> I don't I, think that's true. <laughs> well, I like to think of myself as a painter, primarily. Yes. And I also teach a couple of painting classes, uh-huh. uh, which is probably the best job I ever had. Yeah, I mean, you really seem to like it. What, what sort of um, demographic are your students? I would say 80% Chinese. Uh-huh. All ages? Uh, no, no. They're all uh, senior citizens. Oh, nice. Or close to, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Um, and most of them have never had the opportunity, either because of financial or time restrictions in their earlier life to paint. So they're coming to it late, and they're getting into it with a vengeance. Now, are these American Chinese? or Some are, and some are immigrants. Uh-huh. In fact, some I have to have a translator for. Wow. Okay. And you do have one. Other students. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Right. (laughs) Some of them are bilingual. Sure. Where are you from? Erlanger, Kentucky. What kind of music did you listen to in, like, high school going into college years? I listened to rock music. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I mean, we weren't allowed to listen to stuff like that on the radio. So it wasn't until I got a transistor radio that I could actually listen to. Dad didn't allow us to listen to rock and roll. When you were kids, yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about, like, by the time you got to high school, you had your own radio, right? Yeah. And did you, and you have a, a record player? Because I have it was some... A gr- it was a group record player. I mean, it was the household record player. But yeah. Oh, right, that big unit, the, the high five uh, made out of cherry wood. That it he... was later incinerated. <laughs> that he set on fire. <laughs> That's that's an interesting story. Uh, what, what 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 were the details of that exactly? He he had David, your brother, my uncle, help him bring it outside. And David left to go to you know Walmart or someplace. Uh, but why did he have you bring it outside? Well, David thought he was going to put it in the truck and take it to get you know sell it to some antique shop or something. Ah. Uh, but as he found out when he returned. He took it outside so he could cover it with gas and set it on fire, <laughs> which was crazy because the man knew furniture. He knew antiques. He knew good wood. And so, it worked. It still worked. Then there was something that anti- antagonized him about that. <laughs> right. There must have been some emotional connection that he was like, I've had it. But, I mean, I remember the, the radio still worked, the it record player. It makes me believe that he and Mom had a fight over it. Uh-huh. 
And, and he just and says, this was his passive aggressive way of dealing with it. <laughs> See, I, I would call that an aggressive way yeah. of dealing with it. <laughs> well, I meant passive by not confronting her with it. Right. Or not arguing with her. Right. You, know. you want it out of the house? Well, I'll take it out of the house. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what, when you got to, um, the point where you were listening to your own music, what, what bands were you listening to? You said well, rock I was, music. I, I listened to the Beatles. I listened to Jefferson Airplane, uh-huh. Janis Joplin, sure. Crosby, Stills and Nash, mm-hmm. Creedence Clearwater. Right. All, all of them. Green, all of those uh, records. The Stones. Right. And I still have all of your, your records. Most of them are still playable, too. That's because I didn't take them away to college. <laughs> Probably saved them. Yeah. Um, Marvin Gaye. You were a Marvin Gaye fan? Yep. I didn't know that about you. Uh, what are we talking about? The, the, the sexy music albums or the political protest, what's going on, Marvin Gaye? Or all of it? Kind of all of it. Even the early stuff with, like, Tammy Terrell... All the Motown. Well, I got introduced to that at college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know about. You know, my my. The first thing I heard from him was "Certain to the Grapevine." Right, which was a Motown hit. Yeah. That was before he he did all his. Uh, before he kind of got his own sound and did all of his, you know, uh, very boudoir-oriented uh, albums like "Let's Get It On." And then, of course, when his brother got back from Vietnam, he did What's Going On, which was his, I think it's his best album, because it's, mm. it's making a lot of really... And then, of course, he was killed by his father. Yeah, well, I mean, his story is really dark and twisted. He, he had a horrible cocaine habit that made him super paranoid, insecure, and impotent, ironically enough. And, uh, yeah, he had moved in with his parents at that point in his life, and his, and his father was super weird. His father was like a, a preacher who liked to dress in women's clothing. Oh, dear. So there was all sorts of psychological crap going on. And then you throw cocaine on top of that. I mean, good Christ. And weapons. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, So so that that stayed pretty much the same. That's all the stuff you were listening to, even even in college. And well, and I listened to classical music. Yeah. Back then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because... Because I grew up listening to it. Because your dad always had it on. I mean, I, I got introduced by... My introduction to classical music was Warner Brothers cartoons and cassettes... Especially Bugs Bunny. Yeah, and cassettes uh, on road trips with, mm-hmm. with Wilbur. Yep. Uh, so what are, you, what are you listening to now? Uh, I listen to a lot of Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were listening to Bob Dylan back then, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially when I started hanging out with Paul. Well, sure, yeah. And, and you, you, still, you listen to a lot of classical still, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Any, any favorite composers or pieces? Well, Mozart and Beethoven. Those are the two big ones for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, I heard Bryn Terfel sing The Marriage of Figaro. And it's ju- it was just astonishing. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. All right. Well, I think we're uh, we're going to get into these songs now. Our first record is uh, right here in front of you. Um, that's King Crimson. The album is In the Court of the Crimson King. This is from 1969. 
And the song we're going to hear is called 21st Century Schizoid Man. enough had enough <laughs> so so what was going on there what's what's well the... the first thing it reminded me of was sitting around in mount adams and being stoned uh-huh listening to music like this this and yeah this you've heard this before yes okay so you're familiar and the next thing it reminded me i i just while i was listening to it i said the cover art doesn't seem to go with the music you don't feel like that represents the 21st century schizoid man or, or just the sounds of it didn't match this level yeah. of anxiety? Yeah. Really? This is really extreme art. It is. It is. But this was really extreme music for 1969. I mean, you know, the other stuff that was going on this year, I mean... Uh, well, that's true. That's true. There was nothing this heavy. You know, Black Sabbath hadn't come on the scene yet. Um, heavy metal had yet to be done. Punk had yet to be established. Like, then it put was, me in mind of that... Those Monty Python skits where they described music as woody and tinny. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And, and what, how, what uh, category would this fall into? Tinny. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, old horse. And it also reminded me of somebody <coughs> I used to work with, uh, Kathy Burke, that goth dominatrix graphic designer that... Oh, I sort of remember her. God, I haven't thought about she her She did in those years. paintings of Liz Taylor. She used film clips. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then would write fuck on them or something, you know. <laughs> and somebody said to her, Are, aren't you afraid that, that Liz Taylor will sue you for this? And she said, oh, I wish. <laughs> right, right. You know, when uh, that reminds me of the story that the, uh, the Beastie Boys uh, told once. Uh, in their, on their, I think it was their second album, Paul's Boutique, they had a song where they sampled the Beatles. They used the drum beat from one song and the guitar riff from another. And the guy said, that's the Beatles. Like, aren't you afraid you're going to be sued by the Beatles? He goes, how cool would that be? Like, I mean, talk about negative publicity. If the Beatles are suing you, everybody's going to hear about it. They never did, though. They never, they never got sued. Anyway, the reason I brought it up was that she used a category. She used a category with music that she referred to as twiddly uh-huh and when i rang the bell it was getting a little too twiddly for little too twiddly. Taste. okay <laughs> that's all right well what do, you, what do you think about the way these guys look typical for the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know especially they the... do they do have a sort of russian revolutionary look about them uh-huh oh okay a little rasputinish uh-huh yeah yeah especially the bearded guys yeah now, do any of those names sound familiar to you? Yeah. Greg Lake, Robert Fripp, Ian McDonald. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, Robert Fripp is the only uh, member uh, who's been, I mean, he... No one cares. No one. This is better. Trust me. Next up, we're going to 1971 with uh, Genesis. Now, this is Genesis. (laughs) 
No one cares. No one. And uh, oh, I forgot about Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah, Mike and the Mechanics, <laughs> right. You know Mike Rutherford from, from that band as well. Um, but this is when Phil was behind the drum kit and he was keeping his big mouth shut for, for the most part. He did do some co-vocaling with, with Peter on some songs. Uh, but this is like, this is uh, late enough in their career. No one cares. But, um, no one. This is better. Trust me. Collaborative effort. Are you having trouble hearing me? No one cares. So the album, this is 1971, uh, Genesis. The album is Nursery Crime. Uh, and the song we're going to hear is The Return of the Giant Hogweed. Let's listen. <laughs> I found myself thinking of all the artists that I hadn't named that I was listening to. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? And I thought, no, no, this this isn't right. Right. It doesn't fit into that demographic. Yeah. Right. So uh, again, uh, not something you're going to go and, and and pick up tomorrow, or or, or get know, on your iTunes. I mean, this is like something. I mean, it didn't irk me. Uh huh. But it was something that you could put on the background and easily forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting because... Um, Not to mention you, insulting. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's part of the comedy here. Um, not a lot of people say it's... it's it, a lot of people find it distracting and, and you know... Uh, if they find it objectionable, they find it distracting and uh, not something that they would put on while they're at the gym or cleaning the house. Oh, I'd wished it had been on at the gym, considering the kind of crap we listen to there. <laughs> well, yeah, that, right. This could be, uh, well, that's an interesting point. Maybe, maybe, maybe gyms need to put a little more prog rock <laughs> in there so that people will work out faster and get out of there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this is conducive to a to a heavy workout. <laughs> no, no, that's very all over the place. So you didn't enjoy that? Well, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't. Uh, it didn't irritate me. Okay. You know, it just it was just like as I said, it just brought back all these memories of people I'd rather be listening to. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I really wish Cream was on right now. <laughs> Yeah. I was thinking well, about Red Dirt Girl. Yeah. Oh, that's a great album. Emily Harris, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at any point, if this music becomes too much, we can take a break and we can listen to a sonic palate cleanser. Um, I generally offer Careless Whisper by George Michael. Um, I Ran by Flock of Seagulls. Or Sweet Dreams by The Arrhythmics. These have proven very effective in... Sweet Dreams is really nice. That's a great song, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's very not this. Uh, so it's a nice palate cleanser if, if, if this becomes too much. Okay. But... Um, I will say that I did like the cover art in this. You do like the cover Okay, that's and, interesting. Yeah, I thought it, and I thought it fit the title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. Nursery, nursery Crime. Yeah. And, and that 
It's got a very storybook quality with and, a macabre undertone. But, and that the album fit the music. I mean, the album cover fit the music, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, I when, agree. I, when I, agree. I saw this picture of the young musicians, mm-hmm. I immediately thought, oh my God, I wouldn't date any of them. <laughs> <laughs> really? Even, Just based on looks alone. Yeah, I mean, Peter Gabriel was, was you know, he was, he, was, he was a good looking man. No, but, he just looks like a sullen schoolgirl. <laughs> <laughs> and and Phil Collins looks <laughs> yeah. like a moonstruck calf or something. I, <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> wow. That's a new one. I've got an Amish hippie, uh, a, fat, a fat Kurt Cobain. Either uh, one... It, he, he really does have a facial structure a lot like Kurt Cobain. It's kind of eerie. Um, but I, I, what, what did you say? A moonstruck calf? calf? Yeah. <laughs> Which means what exactly in the lexicon of slang? Um. <laughs> it's a new one, definitely. Well, exactly what the other ones meant, you know. Uh-huh. No, but I'd never heard the term what, uh, moonstruck. I mean, what does that mean? Um sort of knocked out of your wits by the moon. <laughs> Usually um, when it's a full moon, you know. So a sort of witless calf. <laughs> you know? right. And uh, calves don't have a lot of wit anyway. Right, you know? right, sure. No, you... I mean, no. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry. I don't think uh, these guys have made enough money that I don't really think they're going to be offended. They look like they could all be gay. <laughs> oh my I mean from that picture just from that picture well you, you know, know. That, that sort of speaks to the title of the podcast you know the sound of not getting laid uh, <laughs> there weren't a lot of ladies showing up to these shows you know uh, so it's, it's, it's a little off-putting sometimes to the ladies yeah I mean and that's another uh, that's another point to speak to is, is, is you know yeah, this music. You know, back in the, the back in 1971, if a, if a guy was gonna try to try to bed you and he put this on, this wouldn't do it. No, it wasn't <laughs> right. It wouldn't. No. Nope. I mean, even I know that I like this music, but even I know not to put it on when a lady's coming over. <laughs> it's not gonna help you win any points. No, it's no. it's just it's just the antithesis of being light. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. All right, moving along. Uh, same year, uh, a little bit later am in the I, year. Am I being too uh, intemperate with the length of the song? I mean, no, that's entirely up to you. Oh, okay. There, there, there are women who haven't made it past the second verse. Oh. And so, no, it, it, it's you know, it's 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 the old uh, you know that Nasruddin uh, parable about. Uh, the peppers. The peppers eating your money. You know what I'm talking about. Don't if you don't if you're not into it, you don't have to sit through it. Yeah, it's like a book that you don't like. If I don't like a book, I'm gonna put it down. I'm gonna waste my time. So uh, moving along, um, here we're, we're, same year, uh, a little bit later, I think. The band is yes. And the album is fragile. Uh, this is uh, their fourth album. Uh, this is when Rick Wakeman joined the band. The previous no one cares. The 
for me, this is the classic lineup. Uh, this lineup only did two albums. They did this one, and they did uh, Close to the Edge. Um, this one is, of course, Fragile from 1971. Um, I just, I'd like to see what you think about. I mean, this was typical of, you know, you see Rick there. This was typical of the, not only the wardrobe, I was just reading something about these sequin capes that he wore. Really? Yeah. Um... I mean, it, it is enough of a, I mean, it's enough. Oh my God, shut the fuck up. Morticia Adams. Are you fucking kidding me? Rick. Are you fucking kidding me? Who would want to? <laughs> I don't know. Rick? <laughs> he probably doesn't even have them anymore. And there's the band. Which they appear to be in America in that picture, uh, based on the car, the light, and the uh, style of house in the background. I think it's actually New Haven, Connecticut. Hmm. Um, but look at uh, Chris uh, Squire's sweater vest. Well, little Granny Square action sweater vest. And I believe Rick Wakeman, who's seated in the car, mm. it, it, it appears he's wearing bowling shoes. Yes. <laughs> For why? I, maybe they had just come from the alley. I don't know, but no one else is. He probably got him in a thrift shop. Yeah, yeah. Along with that chair. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that chair and maybe the cape. No, the cape was no, probably no, made. No, no, the cape. That was made for that, him. He saw some performer that was wearing one, and he liked it. And Liberace, perhaps. No, 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 it wasn't. Liberace wore that kind of stuff, though. Yes. Or maybe And some... I'm still astonished to think that it never occurred to me as a child that he was gay. Now, you're not alone on that. A lot of people were in denial about Liberace. Well, I probably didn't even know what gay meant. Right. I mean, I think I, as a child, when I saw Liberace, was like, oh, he's probably gay. You know? Of course, that was probably Paul. You know, saying, look at that fag. <laughs> Oh, oh, that, that's what that means when you dress like that. Um, anyway, so uh, 1971, Yes, Fragile. The song we're going to hear is called Roundabout. Let's listen. What did you think? That's one of my favorites. Yeah? You know yeah. that song. Yeah, I know that song very well. It's it's pretty popular, yeah. Yeah. It got a lot of airplay back in the... Uh, it still does, but it got a lot back in the in the 70s. It reminded me a lot of Crosby, Stills, and Nash in the... Uh, the vocals. The, the harmonies. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Crosby, Stills, Nash, uh, Beatles, Beach Boys even were influence, influences on these guys, so yeah. And just the whole, you know, while we were listening to it, and I, I saw, I'm like, I think she's going to make it. <laughs> I, I thought, wish there were a little timeline that I could watch, you know. Well, there is. I mean, it's right there. But um, while we were listening, I was thinking, well, this, this, this has a very, um, there's a lot of classical influence in this song. It has a lot of movements, and even though they're using rock instruments, it has a lot of uh, classical influence. So, yay. Yeah, there, were, there, there was like, you know, classical guitar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, as I said, it, you know, 
strongly influenced by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but much more complex. Oh, yeah. Because of all the different elements that were introduced. Right, right. Crosby, Stills, and Nash may be more complex harmonically, vocally, though. Those guys were, yeah. they, they taught the Grateful Dead. No one cares. Well, you know, that reference to the roundabout. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to it originally, I had no idea what a roundabout was. Right. You know. What do they call them in Boston? Uh, traffic circles? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics um, were written on the bus. Uh, the band was on a trip from Aberdeen to Glasgow. Oh. And there's about 40 roundabouts that you encounter in between that. And, and, and roundabouts are, you know, if you're not used to them, you can just keep going around because you miss sure. your exit. Right, you right, know? right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and, and I think that's a nice metaphor for the song because it just keeps going on and on and on. Shut They're not, there's no deep message there. No, but it's, it's a lovely musical experience. Right, right. I think I always equate Yes's lyrics to like uh, Gertrude Stein where they were using the words for the sound of the word rather than the meaning behind it. It, it was, it was, a, it was a, um, a vehicle for the melody. It yes. didn't really mean that much. You weren't supposed to really, you know, get into it too much. Uh, you yeah. want a break? A break. You want a break? Just, okay. a, just a slight break. I just wanted to ask about the air conditioning. Back from a break, and uh, we're going to get into some Emerson, Lake, and Palmer here. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about those pictures, huh? Well, two of the guys are really androgynous looking. Well, it was the 70s. Yeah. So. Now, do you recognize the artist? No. Uh, this is H.R. Geiger. <laughs> or Geiger. I don't know which is correct. But he was the art director for Aliens, great, and, and an illustrator in his own right. I mean, he did. He did uh, well, I don't know how much he. I know he did this artwork for Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and he did a piece um, for the Dead Kennedys. But I'm interested to see what you think if this music matches this imagery. Okay. I do like Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. You do. You know them. Oh, yeah. So you may, you may know this song. Um, I mean, you, you might... You no one cares. They all came from... Uh, that's Greg Lake. Could be a girl. Yeah. He was, he was in the first band that we listened to. Yes. Drummer, Carl Palmer. Also, uh, very androgynous looking. Someone pointed out that they uh, had all of these haircuts at different stages of their lives. 
I was just thinking, this is a little Don Johnson, Miami Vice. Keith Emerson <laughs> looks Don, like Don Johnson. Okay. Well, just the... I mean, he doesn't really look like him, the stubble. Just the, the, yeah, the, the 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 he was he's a little more rugged than these other two, which was not the norm at that time. No, either you had facial hair, or you didn't. You didn't have stubble. Right, correct. For what that's worth. So uh, this album is 1973. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Brain salad surgery is the album. And the song that we're going to listen to is Carnival Nine, First Impression, Part One. Nine minutes. It is close to nine minutes. Yes, uh, I don't think that's why they called it Carnival Nine, but maybe. maybe. Um, this one definitely has a lot of. Uh, there were power trio, so Keith Emerson. No one cares. I am the god of hellfire, oh, okay. and I bring you fire. You know. Okay. And then Greg Lake, of course, came from. King Crimson. So they were they were a super group. Um, and for some reason, uh, they ended up with a name that sounds like a, a law firm. Yes. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, 1973, uh, Brain Salad Surgery, Carnival Nine, First Impression, Part One. What fun they must have had playing this. Yeah, you think so? Oh, you yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I mean, it it seemed to have it seemed to be full of joy. Really? Yes. I thought it was interesting that on Roundabout you thought we only heard like three minutes of music. Did this feel more like almost nine minutes? No. No. There was a point where it felt a little long mm -hmm. where there was a lot of repetition mm -hmm. and I was watching the graphics on the screen to the right uh -huh. you know which uh, in the last column you get like that's the master get, channel yeah where it gets really intense mm -hmm. and it spikes up in this green kind of flare mm -hmm. um, I was I I enjoyed watching that while I was listening to sure, the music. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, and, and even these give an indication of dynamics, the sound waves here. You know, that's harder for me to see, right? Without my glasses, which you didn't tell me to bring. <laughs> well, I just assumed you would have them, uh, but it's not that important. So you like that one? Yeah, I really oh. like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, um, what about it was was engaging for you? Well, as I said, it, it to me it seemed to express a joy in the music. Really, That's interesting. I I felt like they were that if I were watching it live, like mm -hmm. if they were performing this before me, that they would really be into performing. Oh yeah, and these guys were you were you know filled stadiums back yeah. in the seventies, yeah. you know so. Uh, Okay. I mean, I think that energy translated that they got from the audience mm -hmm. into the song, you know. E even though this is a studio recording. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they did they did a, 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 a lot of live recordings, too, that uh, are, 
are considered some of their best work. Um, they were the ones that did um, a live performance of Aaron Copeland's uh, Song for the Common Man. And, uh, you know, every, One of my favorites. A everyone said, you know, oh God, no, you know, what are you, are you guys crazy? Um, but, but it's uh, a beautiful song. And it is. And they contacted Aaron Copeland and he said, sure, you know, why not? Also one it. of my dad's favorites. Really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Big Aaron Copeland fan. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's a big yes for for uh, for Emerson Lake and Palmer. ELP. Yeah, good old ELP. <laughs> All right, mom, winning some points for the ladies on prog rock. I like it. Um, so that was 1973. We're going to take a big leap here to 1981 with Rush. Okay. Um, so there's the boys. <laughs> I posted that picture the other day and said, uh, Charlie's Angels or prog rock band uh, Rush from Canada. Yeah, a lot of big, big well, wind machine. Yeah, the windblown hair, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. There they are in Central Park. Again, if you just look at the bodies without the heads, they mm -hmm. could be chicks. Oh, yeah. Very androgynous band. Very androgynous. I mean, their their faces aren't as youthful and girlish as some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. You know, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, for instance. Yes. Right. And Genesis. <laughs> well, Genesis, yeah, Genesis just looked like a band of freaks, you know. And then, <laughs> and, then and then you know, uh, King Crimson, you know, with the Manson family rejects, you know. I mean. This guy on the end. Which end? Uh, Alex Leifson. Leifson, yes. Leifson. Um, he looks like a chick that has smelled something bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. He's got a little bit of a, a grimace on his face, like maybe he caught a whiff of, him, of his own polyester shirt. Uh, I don't know, yeah. But, um, you know... Uh, these guys did a document. No one cares. The audience. And, uh, so know, they decided to be the ladies? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But Rush seems to be the band that has the least amount of ladies in the audience. Uh, I went to see them in 2015, their, their final tour before the. No one cares. So, um,. Here we are, uh, 1981, Rush. The album's Moving Pictures, probably their most popular album and their most popular song. Um, well, the album cover's self-explanatory. I know, right? They really kind of phoned that in, didn't they? Well, it just seems... It's not so much phoned it in as... Obvious. They hit you over the head with it. Right. We want you to get this on both levels. There's and why a, mo a woman is moved to tears on viewing the rush. Uh, <laughs> right. And, 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 has, she's and dropped a bag of oranges. She, she dropped her groceries. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I try to explain to people when, when they're <coughs> painting mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily have to complete a line. Mm -hmm. I said right. the viewer will complete it for you. Correct. And in doing so, you have engaged the viewer to be a collaborator in your art. Right. And 
you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it's a, it's a language difficulty, you know. Well, with your students, yes. yes. And, <laughs> and sometimes I think they just, they don't trust it. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. You know. And I said, then trust me. Right, because you know what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. And that's why I love my job, because they do. They trust me. No, and, and the thing is, the thing about oils is I love oils. I love everything about it. I love the smell of it. I love the way... It's a smell I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, too. I do. I do. I love the way... It the, the, feels the, when you mix the paint with the palette knife, you know. And yeah, yeah. The paint has a, a distinctly, and rightfully so, greasy smell. It's greasy, which is Canadian well, for shady. Is it? <laughs> yes. If, if you see somebody that's, you know, dealing drugs or... Did you know... Ooh, greasy. <laughs> did you know that there was a time, anyway, that, that Canadian was a euphemism for being Jewish? I did not know that. Oh, he's what? Canadian. What? <laughs> and it meant they were Jewish. Well, that's not a euphemism. That's uh, that's code. Yeah, code. Right. Racist code. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if Jeff Sessions or any of those guys is using that as a. Uh, those they, guys. Those guys have code. I know, but it's usually on. with with blacks. Yes, or, or minorities in general. Yeah. Yes. Blacks and browns. Not necessarily Jewish people. I think they would... Well, I don't think they like Jewish people either. Well, no, but I don't think they would mind calling a Jew a Jew. <laughs> well, I mean, so that's it, it's funny. It's a, that's a funny distinction. Like, depending on your vocal inflection, that can be an insult or just a fact. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, yeah, he's a Jew. Oh, yeah, he's a Jew. <laughs> it's... It's, uh... I've had lots of experience with that growing up in Brooklyn. Yep. I remember when I was here in Bay Ridge and going to school, I got a lot of Jew boy and, and stuff like that. And uh, I remember the Cahill brothers. One of them was just, you know, Jew this and Jews can't do that. And bah, bah, bah. And I just popped him in his eye. He goes, they can box, though. <laughs> I yeah. never heard that one. Yeah, and I even got, I even got some, some Jewish shade in Boy Scouts. Really? Know, like that kid Eric to hang out with. You know, we'd go on camping trips, and in the morning he'd wake me up. That little a, Nazi. That little Norwegian Nazi, yeah. Um, he'd, he'd be kicking me and going, come on, Jew boy, wake up. And the thing is that they're so ignorant that they don't even realize that you aren't considered a Jew by the well, Jews. Right, 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 right. Well, I always make that joke that, yeah. uh, you know, Jews don't consider me Jewish because you're not Jewish. Right. But anti-Semites do because I have a Jewish last name, you know. And, and being of uh, Jewish descent and Germanic descent, I, um, I always want to put myself in the oven. But it's a Shabbos, and I can't turn it on. <laughs> but we digress. Yes. So, uh, Rush, 1981. Yeah. Moving Pictures. The song is Tom Sawyer. Let's hear it.
No, that's a buzzkill. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. You couldn't even make it, and that's a really popular I know. song. You've and, heard and that I song knew, before, yes, right? Yes, and I knew it was coming, and maybe it was the vodka, but I couldn't wait. I just had to kill it. It was, it was like... <laughs> Don't blame the booze. Destroying the whole evening. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. Actually, I'm, I'm not so surprised because, you know, as I said before... You don't see a lot of ladies at these shows. And there's a reason. What is the reason? Well, it's... What's the feeling behind that? I'll use Kathy Burke's word. It was twiddly. It was twiddly. And it takes too long to get to the meat of it. Uh Uh-huh. And now maybe this has to do with the headphones, which I always find uncomfortable. Okay. Um... I don't know. Somehow I think if we were listening to vinyl and speakers, you would still be like... No. Probably. Yeah. You know, it was just, I'd had enough. <laughs> maybe, That's maybe. That's the shortest song we're listening to. Well, then and... we didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, you heard you heard most of the themes that they were going to do. Yeah. And I was, know, that, because only, I recognized it. That's only a four minute and 34 second song. Um, yeah, you tapped out. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Maybe you should... Do you always do the same order? Do you always play them in the same order? They're chronological, yes. We're, we're going okay. from 69 to 81, okay. which is kind of the golden era of prog rock. Prog rock going into the 80s. Like, even this is it's, not typical of prog rock. Yeah. It, it's, they're getting very... Um, the production is very pop music. Uh, they started, you know, paring down the songs to three to four minutes. Um I just, you know, I just ran out of patience with it. Uh-huh. And do you think it's because of all the stuff we've heard before? Or just... In, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I liked you, a lot of the other stuff better. Right. You made it through Yes. You made it through Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, which are the two longest songs. Yeah. Well, I but like that didn't, both. Of... That didn't matter, the duration. Right. You, you, you liked was... the aesthetic... Uh, choices. Yeah, like like I felt like there was too much in the way of getting into the song. With this? Yes. Wow, fascinating. Well, because no women like it. A or, lot of... This or is, most women don't like it. Yeah, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to be absolute because, you know, it's a myth that I'm, that I'm exploring here. Yes. That all women hate prog rock. That's bullshit. Um... Jenny loves all these songs. She listened to all of them. She she loves these bands. Um, Even Rush. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she just went down a notch. <laughs> I was just gonna say, has your opinion of Jenny just shifted now? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't put it that in. <laughs> no, I'm gonna put that in because that's funny. Um, but overall, in summation. Prog rock. Uh, do you like it? Yeah. Mom? Yeah? You do? Yeah. I liked it when it came out. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't think of it as prog rock at the time. But you only made it through two out of five songs. But still, you would say, as a genre, you like this music. Yes. Well, it's time to wrap it up, folks. I'm your host, Matt Bergman. We got a yes from Mom on the subject of prog. I'd like to thank my mother. Without her, I wouldn't exist. 
and a special thanks to you, the listener. Because as we all know, if a podcast is playing in the woods, no one's around to hear it. It sucks. 